0: This is Archbishop Blaise Supich, Archbishop of Chicago. Today, I invite you to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a non-for-profit apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization that utilizes media, both old and new, to share the faith on every continent and facilitate an encounter with Christ in his church. The efforts of Word on Fire Catholic Ministries engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. This is an invitation to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's word of love for each of us. When our hearts are open, the Lord changes and transforms us so that we in turn begin to share the warmth and light of Jesus Christ who is the Word on Fire. The global benefactors of Word on Fire Catholic Ministries, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you.
1: Friends, we continue this week with our reading of that fascinating sixth chapter of John's Gospel, wherein the Eucharist is thoroughly explored. The focus now in this section for today is on the manna that comes down from heaven. Now, we might be a bit puzzled by this reference, but no first-century Jew would have missed it. Jesus is referring to the mysterious food that came down from heaven to feed the Jewish people on their long journey from slavery to freedom. Now, here's what Jesus says. Just as the Father fed your ancestors in the desert... So now he will feed you with a new heavenly bread. Here's the quote. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. But what precisely is the meaning of this parallelism? Well, in the first century, many Jews expected that the coming of the Messiah would amount to to a new exodus. The Messianic age, the coming of the Messiah, would involve, they thought, a kind of recapitulation of all the major themes of the exodus. It would be a renewal, a re-presentation of the exodus. So, just as Moses was the deliverer in the first exodus, so the Messiah would be the deliverer in the second Just as Israel was released from Egypt in the first, Israel would be released from sin and death in the second. Just as there was a journey to the promised land in the first, so there'd be a journey to a new and definitive promised land in the second, etc. And of course, this is true in the great master story of ancient Israel was the story of the Exodus. So when the Messiah comes, somehow that story would be gathered up Brought to fulfillment. Well, here's another link. Just as there was the manna in the desert as food for the journey, so there will be, they thought, in the Messianic age, a new manna, a new bread from heaven to feed the pilgrim people on their way to fulfillment. Now, once we see this, the parallels between the Old Testament and the New Testament are everywhere. Israel has escaped from Egypt. That's true. They're free, but they're not fully liberated for they still long for the flesh pots of Egypt. Remember that as they're making their way across the Sinai desert, Moses has led them from slavery to freedom, but the people look back. They long for their slavery. At least there, they were assured of three meals a day during those long years of wandering they became frustrated with Moses. Talk to people, by the way, who've been through the 12-step process, people who wrestle with addictions. They might start off the process confidently. They know what they have to do. They know they've got to be free from their slavery to alcohol or to pornography or whatever it is. But very often, in the midst of that difficult journey, they lose heart they'll look back. At least I kind of knew how my life was organized before I started this whole 12-step process. At least I understood what I was about. So the Israelites looked back to Egypt. So God determines to feed them, to sustain them on their difficult journey. In a very similar way, the crowds that followed Jesus are hungry after he's fed them with the loaves they say give us this food always so Jesus tells them the father will indeed give them food but it's not simply more of these ordinary loaves what he will give them is something far greater he will give them heavenly bread that will guarantee eternal life As they're tempted to look back, to give up, he says, no, no, my Father will feed you with the finest wheat. Now, flash forward to our own time. We are freed from sin and death, that's true, by Christ's cross, yet we are still to some degree wandering in the wilderness, and let's face it, in our weakness, we are sometimes tempted to go back. Christ has saved us. That's true. There's something objective. There's something given about that. The cross has saved us. But our participation in that salvation can waver. You know, at times we're willing to walk behind the Lord to be his disciple. Other times we look back in frustration. So what does the Lord give us but sustaining food he gives us the Eucharistic manna from heaven. He gives us bread for the journey. You know that word viaticum? We speak of, of that as, as the last Eucharist you have on your way to heaven. It's something you take with you on the way. But in a certain way, every Eucharist is viaticum. It's food for the journey, food for the way. Now, there's much more we can say about these parallels between Exodus Eucharist and our own time. In the Lord's Prayer, we find this extraordinary request. Give us this day our daily bread. What is that? Why does Jesus place that at the heart of his prayer? Well, it's obviously another reference to the manna of the new Exodus, this daily bread that will sustain us for the journey. But there's something else that's buried in the very peculiarity of the language used. The Greek of that section of the Lord's Prayer says, Give us ton arton ton epiousion. It's a strange phrase. Even in the ancient Greek, it's strange. It means literally super substantial bread. Usia means substance. Epiousia it means on top of the substance or greater than the substance. That's why Saint Jerome, when he renders this Greek into Latin, calls it panem super literally super substantial bread. That's what we pray for in the Lord's Prayer. That's strange. What is this highly charged, hyper bread? This far more than ordinary food, but the bread. That has been transubstantiated into the body of Christ. You see what Jesus is asking us to pray for, not just the earthly bread that will sustain us in our bodies. Rather, he's inviting his whole church to pray for this sustaining, super substantial bread on a daily basis. Without it, by implication, we become lost in the desert. That's why that prayer is part of this whole new Exodus theology. The manna come down from heaven, that's the Eucharist. Listen now, which in a far more realistic and surprising way has come down from heaven. Think of that little bread brought forward at Mass. That's come, we say, from the work of human hands. But the bread that you receive, the Eucharistic bread, has indeed come down from heaven. It's been transformed through the higher power of God. There's still another interesting overtone that we could explore. The manna in the Old Testament was one of the elements found in the Ark of the Covenant. Remember the Ark of the Covenant that was, that was in the Holy of Holies in the Jerusalem temple. Within the Ark were contained certain things. First of all, the remains of the tablets of the law. Remember Moses came down and he shattered the tablets of the law against the mountain. Well, the remains of those are in the, Holy of, in the Ark of the Covenant. But also within the Ark was contained bits of manna. More to it, Also, in the Holy of Holies, there was another type of bread. what the ancient Jews called show bread. If you walked into the Holy of Holies in the Jerusalem temple, you would have seen the Ark, the Menorah, and the show bread. Well, what was this show bread? It was a set of 12 loaves of bread arranged on shelves, and symbolic of the twelve tribes of Israel, and meant to be continually in the presence of the Lord. We say showbread, but that's kind of a, a bad uh, translation, a bad rendering of the Hebrew, the hem ha panim, which means bread of the presence, bread of the presence. Jesus, you know, makes a very interesting reference to the showbread in the Gospel of Matthew. While walking through the grain fields on a Sabbath, Jesus' hungry disciples pluck the heads of the grain and they eat them. When the Pharisees protest, Jesus reminds them of a passage in 1 Samuel, which speaks of David's men eating the showbread. David's men were hungry. They come there to the temple, and all that was available to them was the showbread, and they were allowed to eat it. But then he adds this devastating line. I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. That's a breathtaking thing for a first century Jew to say in reference to himself. The temple, as we've seen, was everything. It's the place where God dwelled. It was the holiest place imaginable. Therefore, to say, in reference to yourself, there's a greater than the temple here? Overwhelming. Blasphemous in the minds of most. But what I find fascinating here is to notice the implication of Jesus' line. The old temple is the place where the bread of the presence was stored. But listen now. The new temple of the church is the place where the definitive bread of the presence is stored. What am I talking about? The Eucharist in the tabernacle. Think for a second, friends, of the tabernacle in your church. What is that? What's it doing there? It is a kind of recapitulation of the Ark of the Covenant. The ark that contained the law of God and contained the manna, it was surrounded by the bread of the presence. Now, now, in the true tabernacle found in our churches, what is there? But the living law, which is Christ himself, the true manna, the bread come down from heaven, and the even more intense and remarkable bread of the presence. All of this, I think, is contained in the Eucharistic theology and the Eucharistic practice of the church. The new exodus, a people liberated from slavery, a people fed on their journey. So are we, liberated from sin and fed with this super substantial, heavenly shoal bread, the true manna come down from heaven. That's what John, I think, wants us to see in this magnificent passage. And God bless
0: you. Thank you for listening to the Word on Fire. My prayer is that each of us may be on fire with love for God and neighbor. Until next week, I pray that God will bless you and those you love.